pray and try to get some of this, uh, the, the carnality out of here for just a minute anyway. All right. Lord, thank you for today. <clears throat> Lord, thank you for the fellowship that we have with our brothers and sisters. Um, Lord, thank you for just loving us like you do and, and giving us a place to come to that we can fellowship. Um, God, that we can gather around the Word of God. And Lord, that we can be encouraged and edified and exhorted and reproved and rebuked at the same time. And Lord, just enjoy just enjoy every bit of it. And um, God, I pray that you help us tonight, Lord, as we zero back in, finish on the last, last few thoughts um, in this particular vein that we're talking about tonight. Lord, I pray that you uh, bless what, what, we, what we need, and, and Lord, we need rest. And so, Lord, I, I pray, God, that we'll see the, uh, Lord, the benefits that we have in resting in you and, and, God, what you've called us to in terms of rest. Lord, bless <clears throat> what's said tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, so for the last couple of weeks, um, we, we've been dealing with this, with this whole thought process of a, of a hurried life or really it's a life outside of rest in Jesus Christ. And, and, and I, I know for a lot of people that may seem uh, like that, that is supposed to be a one-time, a one-moment type of deal. Uh, but in actuality, I, I think we miss the boat when when we when we are not constantly resting in Christ. I remember Sean was talking about this today, and I think one of the hardest things for most people to do is to rest in Christ. And I believe that the reason uh, that we can't we struggle with the ability to rest in general. I mean, it's it's weird. Uh, we're we're always trying to go, and we're always trying to be active and and even if we're not being physically active um you know we have this gadget right here that keeps us you know like active and we don't even want to be but we're so we're so addicted to the activity uh, that is not physical activity but it is what what it is is a stimulation and it's just uh it's brain stimulation it's a, it's an emotional tie to something and so you know, it, it's it's entertainment is what it is, and and, and what we what we desperately need, uh, if we're ever going to come to a place to where we can get real live rest, and this is what we was talking about today, uh, rest in Christ is to be able to on a consistent basis realize and understand and make practical application and reckon that our identity is in Christ. Like that is huge. Like when I when I that my identity is not in me, it's not in myself as a father, it's not in what I do, it's not in who I am, it's not in the fact that I'm a pastor, it's not even the fact that I'm a Christian. Do, do you understand that? My identity shouldn't rest in the fact that I'm a Christian. My identity should rest in Christ, in Jesus Christ. That's that's who I identify as now that I'm dead. I'm dead, but I'm alive in Christ. Amen. All right, so that, that, that is literally where my identity should, should springboard from. And, and that's why it's so important to realize that, that we find rest in Jesus Christ. But, but not just rest in Jesus Christ. We have to make time to rest, to rest our physical bodies long enough to let Jesus Christ work on us. Amen? I mean, that's a big deal. 
Uh, it, it's a big deal. Why, why is it such a big deal? Because it's, it, it, man, it's hard for most pastors to rest. I mean, it just is. It's, it's the weirdest thing. Um, it, it's, it's really hard for us to find rest and, and just a time period of rest. And, and I will say this. That that is the that is the most that is the most advantageous time to, uh, for me as a pastor when I can just sit and I can meditate and I find my rest in an out of pace, out of control world when I can just get to to the pace of Jesus Christ and let Jesus Christ work in my own heart. You say, man, that, that you you should be the easiest one. Well, it's easy to say; it's harder to do. Amen. And, and, and so I, I know that it's hard for you. I know that it's hard for you. I know that it's a difficult thing uh, for all of us, especially those of us who got kids, and, and we're, always, we're always on the go. We're always moving. We're always doing something. And, and, it, and it's hard. But, but it, you know, I, I, w- I would say this, um, and we're going to use that Deuteronomy principle just for a minute, uh, and, and we'll, we'll look at that in just a second. But, but it's, it's really interesting uh, that the, the, the Lord, and we went over this the very first uh, Wednesday night that we dealt with this, that the Lord ceased or rested from all of his work on the seventh day. Now, we know that the Lord wasn't tired, amen? We, we know the Lord wasn't tired, but, but he rested. And, and why did he rest? Well, he made a pattern. He set a pattern for mankind, and, and, it, and it, it goes over to Mark chapter 2 and verse 27. He said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. What is that? It's a time period of rest. Is all it is. It's a time period of rest. Um, I, we looked at something uh, from Deuteronomy, and I, I want to hit that. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you those, uh, and just kind of skim back over the points that we've already hit so far. And I'm going to give you the last two because we've got a couple of Bible verses that we need to cover tonight. But I, I want to get you to look at these verses. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 6. De- Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse number 6. Therefore shalt thou keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Um, uh, for the Lord thy God bringeth, uh, bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of waters, and uh, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and the hills a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and a land of olive oil and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then shalt, uh, then, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the, uh, for the good land which he hath given thee. And look at verse, uh, go, go, I think, do we have Deuteronomy 11? Well, I don't think we got that one on there, do we? Do we have Deuteronomy 11 on there or not? No, okay. So, so I, I just, just listen, or flip over, if you're in the Bible, flip over uh, a couple of chapters, Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. The latter part of that verse, it says, A land that floweth with milk and honey. A land that floweth with milk and honey. And, and, and then you look at verse number 10. And he says, For the land whither thou goest in to possess, to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence ye came out, of, ye came out where thou didst sowest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot 
as a garden of herbs, but the land whither ye go, uh, whither ye go to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys, and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. Now, the comparison is that the land of Egypt, which is the land of the world, it, it, the land of, uh, of Canaan, the, land, the promised land, is so much better in comparison to the land of the world. Verse number 12, he says this, A land which the Lord thy God careth for, for the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even to the end of the year. Now, why is that so important? Well, because he's comparing Egypt to the promised land. When we know, uh, when we go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, this is a spiritual life versus a carnal life. This is what this is. It's a life. When we were in the world, we came out of the world. He brought us out so that he could bring us in. And why is this such a big deal? Well, from our vantage point, we don't see when we're in the world and we're living in our own carnality, in our own flesh, it's hard for you and me to perceive it, but there is a land that we can get to in this world right now. There's a land that we can get to that God has already got ready for us, that it's already been cared for, that he's, that, that he's even caring for that land right now. Does that make sense? Like, like it's crazy. It's really crazy when you think about it. But God has got a land ready for you and me. We can live in the body of the flesh, in the body of this flesh, and you can live in the world, or you can get into that land. You can be brought out of Egypt and not dwell in the wilderness, but you can be brought into Canaan, the spirit-filled life. And there, in that place, there is a land that God has prepared. For me and you, he's been caring for it even from the beginning of the year, even until the end of the year. And guess what? <clears throat> guess what? In that land, you ready for this? You don't have to care for anything because God's already caring for it. How many of you understand that there ain't a thing you can do in, in a land uh, that God's caring for? Everybody understand that? Listen, listen. there ain't nothing you can do any better than God. Amen? So, so if, I, if I'm going to work really hard in Egypt, remember, remember he said you worked really hard in Egypt. What, what, what that when he says you had to water, water the ground with thy foot, it, mean, it meant that they had to build rows. They had to build rows in their gardens. They had to, they had to, they had to make these, it, it, you see it today, they didn't, they didn't have... Uh, they didn't have any of the tools that we have today, but they, they would make trenches and they would, would take their feet and they would they would make them mounds of dirt and they would make them right. And that's how they watered their garden to keep the water from going out. Well, God's like, look, you don't got to do that no more. If you'll, if you'll get in the promise land, you don't have to water your own garden. Why? Well, because God's taking care of the one that you're going to eat from. Does that make sense? Like you can choose to, to eat, out of your, eat out of your garden. You can labor really hard. How many of you understand that the labor that you and I experience shouldn't be real like taxing labor in, in, the, in the carnal state? Yeah, it's going to be hard, but, but why are we doing it? That's what you got to really decide. Why are you laboring? Because laboring for Jesus Christ is not a bad thing. It can be a tiring thing. But when you get in the flesh, it's an exhausting thing. It's exhausting. In the flesh, uh, laboring, la laboring in the ministry is exhausting. Uh, 
I, I gave you, uh, I don't know, I think I gave you four things so far. Now, I'm going to give them to you, and, and we're, we're going to move on. Uh, a hurried life, and, and, and this whole thing centers around a life that won't slow down to, uh, to take the time it needs with the Lord. A life that won't stop, a life that won't rest in Jesus Christ. So I want you to, uh, if you if you if you have wrote these down, uh, you want to write them down. You you just want to listen. Whatever you want to do. A hurried life destroys your relationship with God. A hurried life destroys your relationship with God. Uh, Psalm forty six and verse ten. It's not on the screen, but it says, "Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God." Uh, number two, a hurried life decreases your capacity to love others. You say, how does a hurried life decrease my capacity to love others? Well, people that are exhausted are very rarely patient people, right? You hit the point of exhaustion, long-suffering usually takes a back seat, right? I mean, it's just the way it is. You get exhausted, you get you're physically you get exhausted, mentally you get exhausted, emotionally you get exhausted, and guess what? You're not going to be the long-suffering person. <laughs> so, so what does that mean? Well, it's going to be really hard for you to have a whole lot of love or charity, as 1 Corinthians 13 says, for your brothers and sisters. It's going to be, I know, I know parents, you know, I know parents right now that can't adequately love their children. Because they don't have enough energy to, mentally, emotionally, nor physically. So, well, they're having to work themselves a bump. Well, okay, um, maybe maybe there's a fraction of those that are really having to do that. But I, I would dare say there's probably more people trying to provide things that their kids really don't need besides themselves. Amen? Uh, and, and then number three, a hurried life increases the power of temptation. A hurried life it will increase the power of temptation. What do you mean? Well, um, it, it, it was, it was if, if you'll, it, I don't have time to go back through this deal with Jesus uh, fasting, but I will, I, will, I will say this. Temptation comes to people who are exhausted, who are mentally, physically, spiritually and emotionally exhausted. Why? Because it's a microwavable thing. You, you realize that? Temptation is a, a temptation is a lead in to a quick fix. That's all it is. Temptation is a lead in to an easy form of satisfaction. That's all that is. Well, the, the, the more rich side of this is getting along with Jesus Christ, like, like Jesus did, spent 40 days with Jesus Christ, getting along with Jesus Christ. Now, now what, what we like is we like the whole microwavable thing. We like the whole, hey, let's, let's, let's make this thing uh, happen really fast. And, and, you know, that's why we have people that, that are constantly... Uh, that whole this whole idea of, of of not having sex before marriage is a very foreign idea in the society that we're in, because the society that we live in says you need to sample the goods before you purchase them. Well, what is that? That's it's not it's not that's not faith in Jesus Christ is what that is. 
That's a carnal way to look at things. Well, it's that way. It's instant gratification. And then number four, number four, a hurried life numbs you to the injustices that break God's heart. Uh, it's almost like uh, you're just desensitized and you're kind of, you don't have time to be convicted. Does that make sense? You don't have time to be convicted. God, I don't have time for you to convict me right now. I don't have time emotionally. I don't have time mentally. I don't have time physically for you to convict me because if you do convict me, I don't have time to change what needs to be changed anyway. You say, well, well, that, that, that's kind of crazy. That happens a lot, believe it or not. That's why people don't pick their Bibles up. Well, God, I don't have time to be the Christian you want me to be no way, so it's, it's pointless. You ever been there? It's pointless to try anyway because I don't, I don't have what it takes to get what I need. It's kind of like going to the gym. It's kind of like going on a diet. It's kind of like getting healthier. Well, I just don't, I, you know, it's almost pointless. Well, it's pointless. I'm just going to do this. Well, it's pointless. I'm just going to fail here. Well, it's pointless. I'm not, I'm going to go to the gym one time. Well, one time's better than none. Well, I'm just going to go once a week, and then I'm going to get tired. I'm going to do this. And I, I, Listen, I, I know, but, but here's, here's where we are. We've got to quit making excuses at some point, right? But here's what happens. A hurried life will, it will numb you and desensitize you to the, to the, to the things that break God's heart. And, and, and then uh, number five. Number five, a hurried life increases the chance of a superficial relationship. Let's reword that. A hurried life will create a legalist. Let's do that. I've been trying to figure out how to word this. A hurried life will create a person that is more legalistic than they are uh, relational with Jesus Christ. Okay, what, what is legalism? What does legalistic mean? Well, it's more of a, of, of a superficial kind of relationship. It's more of a surface level relationship. It's more of a do and don't relationship than an I am relationship. Does that make sense? I think, you know, a lot of times if you're not careful, uh, a real, a real, a life that has no rest, a life that has, it's always uh, in, in full-blown exhaustion, it will promote a shallow understanding of God. It, it will, it will create, and when I say shallow understanding of God, it will create information at your fingertips, it will create a person that can buy books and download audio books. It will create a person that can get on Google and they can find any answer they want to find. But if they had to tell you about their intimacy with Jesus Christ, and if they had to tell you about getting deeper with Jesus Christ, they could not tell you how to get deeper. They couldn't tell you about their quiet time, but they could tell you what Google said. 
They couldn't tell you about how God had been talking to them but because they had been looking up things and they had been hearing books and they had been listening to podcasts. And may I say there's nothing wrong with any of that. But if you're not careful, that you will, you will find yourself in a very superficial relationship with Jesus Christ. And it actually has nothing to do with Jesus. It has more to do with information. And how many of you understand? Information, information doesn't always lead to transformation. Does that make sense? I know a lot of people that's really smart and they ain't been tra- they're, they're not really transformed in their everyday life. And, and, and so why is that such a, a big deal? You, because you would think with all the information that we have that we'd know more about God than we've ever known. Wouldn't you think? Man, the amount of books that we got. But you know what? You know what? You know what books do? And I'm not against books. I got a lot of books. I love books. Order some books today. Order books all the time, don't George. I love books. I like to read books. But I want you to understand something. Information increases knowledge. Okay? That's what information does. It increases knowledge. But knowledge alone will lead you to a place of legalism. That's what it'll do. Why? Because it's not relational. The superficial, uh, the superficial nature of information doesn't, it doesn't equate to an adequate relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? I'm, I'm going to give you an illustration. A, sup, a, a superficial... Or a surface level marriage. Take, take that for instance. A, surface, a superficial or a surface level marriage. That's one of the dry, it's, it's, it, that's one of the driest places to be as a husband and wife. Super on the surface level. There's not really, I, I, I don't know how many friends I got that I have surface level relationships with. Like I mean, if I can't be honest and I can't be open, and the person I'm I'm talking to can't be honest and open, I'm usually not friends with them. You know why? Because it's meaningless to me. Like I don't see no point in being friends with a person that you can't that you can't talk to, and they won't talk to you. I really just don't. I really just don't. I don't. I don't do well with that kind of thing. Why? Well, because I like, I, I like for both of us to get in, engaged and bought into the relationship. Well, why? Well, because then it, it ain't no, we're both bought into the relationship. That's the way it is with Jesus. If you don't buy into the relationship with Jesus, it's going to become superficial. And it's going to become, at the end of the day, it's going to become legalism. What is legalism? Legalism is do's and don'ts. Relationship, it says I am something. Legalism says I do and I don't something. There's two different mindsets. You can do and don't all you want, but if you aren't something, it's not about what you do and what you don't. It's about what you're becoming, right? He says, what did he say? And, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'll, I'll come back to this. He said, I will make you what? Fishers of men. Did he say, I want, you to, I, want, I, I, I want you to start fishing for men? No, he said, I'll what? I'll make you those things. You are going to become 
fishers of men. Don't start fishing for men. Hey, boys, why don't you go fish for men? Did he say that? No, he didn't say that. He said, I will make. See, I had to make something in them before they could ever start doing what they were, what they were supposed to do. And it goes back to this. God is not looking for me and you to do a bunch of stuff before becoming something. Man, all them people that are just doing stuff, well, it's, it's superficial. So, so what, if, what if you and me got serious about, about what God's teaching, about what God's wanting to teach us? Well, I've come to this conclusion that, that if you get serious about it, it's going to cost you something to be taught by God. It's going to cost you something. Well, what, what's the price that you got to pay for being taught? The price is slowing down long enough to listen. That's the price. Slowing down long enough to listen. You want, you want the Lord to teach you? You got to slow down long enough to listen. You can read your Bible all you want, but if you don't stop long enough for let, to let the Bible read you, you got to pay the price. I, I want you to look at a, a, a few verses. We're going to look at some, some, some verses in the Psalms. And, and I, want, I want you to see what, what the psalmist said. In terms of, of, of his desire, one, for God to teach him. And then even that, as we go through these verses, there's some benefits that are scattered throughout these verses that you'll see as he's being taught by the Lord. Look, look Psalm 25, verse 4. He says, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy path. Now, look at verse 5. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of of my salvation on thee do I wait all the day. Psalm 27, verse 11, he says, Teach me thy way, Lord, O Lord. Uh, teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in the plain path because of my enemy, my enemies. So he, he, he's in verse 11, he's, he's saying, Hey, Lord, I need you to teach me. I need you to lead me in a path. Why? Because of my enemies. My enemies are against me, and I need you to teach me your way. I need you to lead me in the path I need to go. Look, Psalm 86, he said, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear the Lord, for, to, fear thy, uh, to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forever. Now, now notice this, the teaching of the Lord is directly reflected by a walk in truth, which, you ready for this, is tied to a uniting of the heart with the fear of the name of the Lord. You see that? It's crazy. The psalmist ties the teaching of the Lord with his walk. Which was directly impact, which directly impacted what? His heart. God's got a crazy way of telling us some things if we'll listen. And God wants to unite my heart to fear his name. Why? Well, because it'll affect my walk. 
because I'm being affected by his truth. And then verse 12, the, out, the overflow, the outpouring of that life. He said, I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forever. Why? Well, because God's teaching him. Look at Psalm 119 and verse 99. I have more understanding than all my teachers. And, 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 and here's why. For thy testimonies are my meditation. They're my me his testimonies. God's testimonies are his meditation. And because of that, he has more understanding than all his teachers. <clears throat> Psalm 143 verse 10. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Teach me. Teach me. Teach me. The, 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 it's the, 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 the overarching principle that the psalm is repeating. Psalmist is repeating time after time. And there, listen, there's literally a hundred of these verses. Maybe 150 in the psalm. And it's, and, it's, and it's the psalmist asking God to teach. God, teach me. God, teach me. God, teach me. When's the last time we got quiet and said, God, teach me? You should come in here and you should say, Lord, teach me. Lord, speak to me today. But, but we should have a quiet time to where we get along with the Lord and we say, Lord, Teach me, for thou art my God, thy spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Jeremiah 32. Look what he says in Jeremiah 32. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them. It's a huge deal when you and me Get on the same page with God. Why? Well, here's what happens. God will give us one heart. God will give us one way for the good of them. You ready? And their children after them. That's a, that's a huge deal. We're, right? We're always talking about our kids in here. Man, we want our kids to succeed. The, the, the direct reflection of you and me as a church body is that that group of children succeeds, right? Amen? That group of teenagers that's being pulled in every which way, we want to see them succeed, right? Does anybody want to see them succeed besides me? I mean, we want to, we want to see all of them, right? We, we're, hey, the facts are we've already lost some at this point in time. Now, I'm not saying it won't come back, but right now we've lost some. Well, I don't want to lose any more. Amen? I don't want to lose any more. So, so, so truly knowing the Lord is going to require discernment, and that's going to come from meditation. Truly knowing the Lord is going to, is going to require discernment and wisdom. And that's going to come from, from, from meditation. Well, what does that look like? Well, Joshua tells us what that looks like. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. So, 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 so Joshua is, is just rolling out in, in chapter number 1 with the book of the law shall not 
depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And when you do that, your ways are going to be prosperous and you're going to have good success. Praise the Lord. Amen. What does what, what Psalm, Psalm 1 say? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor saith the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And because he meditates day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and uh, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. And his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Psalm 77 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of all thy, do, do, all thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Thou art the God that dost, doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine, with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. Man, it is, it, man, the psalmist is recounting how good God is, is meditating on how wonderful God is. Why is that so huge? Well, Because there's a lot of wisdom that comes out of that. Look, look what 1 Timothy chapter 4 says. <coughs> Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which is given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto, thy doc unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt save, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So, so you know, I, I, was, I was looking and, and trying, to, trying to come up with a, uh, some results, uh, maybe some results of, of meditation and in, 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 in getting some wisdom. And, and, I, and I found a couple verses in Proverbs I'd like for you to see. Um, Proverbs 1 in, in verse number 1, he said that the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king, uh, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding to receive instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtility to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase uh, and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. And here it is, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We we want wisdom. It's gonna we're gonna have to pay the price for it. Amen. Like it's gonna take the price being paid. Proverbs two and verse number eight. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment 
and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. Now, now, now notice verse 12, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man. So, so we can be delivered from the way of the evil man, but it's going to take wisdom, it's going to take justice, it's going to judgment, it's going to take equity, it's going to take knowledge. Well, I, I, how am I going to get these things? We're going to have to pay the price. From the man, look at the rest of verse 12, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leaveth, who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil, and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, and they, and they froward in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even the stranger which flattereth with words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth, and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Why is that so big? Because you can't get wisdom apart from paying the price. You just can't get it. You're not going to get it. Just You're not going to get the wisdom you need. You're not going to get the understanding you need. You're not going to get the judgment that you need. You're not going to get the equity that you need with a lifestyle that doesn't promote you and me being able to sit around and meditate on the things of God. Proverbs 3 says this, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it, what, what, is, what is the merchandise of what? Of wisdom. Is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. The Bible is comparing wisdom to this woman. And, and, and her price is more precious than rubies. And all the things that thou canst desire, they're not to be compared to the wisdom that God gives. They're, the, the, the wisdom that God gives is more precious than gold. It's more precious than fine gold and silver. And why is that such a big deal? Because we need wisdom. Man, we need wisdom. Why do we need wisdom? Our children need wisdom. Our spouses need why? Well, to deliver us from the way of the evil man and to deliver us from the way of the evil woman. To deliver us from the person that's speaking forward things, the person that has left the paths of uprightness and to the person that's walking in the ways of darkness and that rejoice to do evil and that rejoice when wickedness is done. Why is that so big? Because we're a wisdomless society. Our society's got way more knowledge than it does wisdom. People sit on these pews week after week and they got way more knowledge than they do wisdom. Why? Because you can't microwave wisdom. I, 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 I'm not a wise man, but I got more wisdom at 41 than I do when I was 21, right? You can't microwave wisdom. You say, well, how do I, how do I speed up the process? Spend more time with God? That's the only way you can do it. 
You can't get it any faster. You've got to pay the price. You've got to pay the price. I know, I know you say, man, you're beating a dead horse. Yeah, I probably am. But here's what I will say to that. If we're not careful, we, we, will, we, will think, we will think that God will have to somehow or another create another avenue for you to get rich. And God ain't going to do that. God's not going to violate that. The, the, the difference between knowledge and wisdom is the difference between God can't work that way and I can't believe God worked that way. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. It, it, it's, it's, it's the difference between the disciples having minimal knowledge about God but recognizing Jesus was who he was when he approached him. And, and you ready for this? And the Pharisees. So, so remember, remember what we're talking about now. We're talking about the, 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 the difference between the disciples having a, a very minute knowledge about God but recognizing who Jesus Christ was when he approached them versus the Pharisees that had a wealth of knowledge that knew that Old Testament backwards and forwards. Remember, they was the one quoting the book. But who crucified him? It wasn't a bunch of old goofy fishers. It wasn't a bunch of old Galileans that were fit, that were on that were on a fishing boat. Well, now now was it? It wasn't a bunch of people that 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 did that. No, it was the people that knew the most about God. They had more knowledge than they did wisdom. They had more knowledge than they did understanding. I would say it like this. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God's ways. Remember, we're always saying they're they're different. And you would you could say it like this, they're upside down. They're upside down. Most of the time if you think one way, you should if you think one way about a certain situation, if let's say the world thinks one way about a certain we should flip that way upside down. And then that's how God thinks about it. Why? Well the well I want to be first. Well the first is going to be last, right? Well, who's the greatest of all? Well, don't don't worry about that right now. You sh- you shouldn't be worried about that. You 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 need to worry about serving Jesus Christ, right? Well, the servants wash people's feet. The lowest form, the servants wash people's feet. Well, well, lo and behold, here comes Jesus girding a towel around him, and 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 he goes around to all of them and 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 washes all these dirty feet. That's upside, Master. Thou shouldn't. He, he, what, what did Peter say? He said, "You should be washing." This is this is paraphrase here. You should be washing my feet. Well, I, I remember upside down. Everything's upside down. The moment we're wanting to cast. Moment we're wanting to cast a person out, God's like, all right, what about some long suffering? Well, we get so frustrated. I'm, I'm, I'm the world's worst. Get so frustrated, and, and you guys, like, all right, 
where's this whole charity thing? Where's the whole? What, what is that? It are the spirit, the spirit of God's ways are upside down ways to people that live in a life that is in full blown hurry mode all the time, that can't slow down long enough to let God show them who He is. Does that make sense? Wisdom, wisdom is slow. It's like a train. It just gets started slow and, and, and it can't be microwaved and it can't be manufactured. You can't get around the, 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 the absolute slowness of, of, of wisdom, but, but if you want it, you're going to have to pay the price. You're going to have to pay the price. And then, and then let me give you this, this next one. A hurried life clouds your purpose and diminishes your passion. A hurried life clouds your purpose. There is nothing like a hurried life to keep you from seeing the big picture uh, of, of, of winning and building and sending. There's, there's nothing like it. Um, it will take you out of the game. A hurried life will take you out of the game. It will sideline you. Why? Because it, it clouds your purpose. It, 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 it takes you and it puts you in a completely... And I may have to re-up on this one next week um, uh, because, um, and, and, and y'all y'all try to bear with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to let this flow into something different next week. Uh, I, I want the whole Wanna crew will be out here next week, so it'll be a little, a little bit different um, with them in here. But I, but I want, I want you to make sure this is a good point for every person. I w- I w- maybe they'll go back and listen to it. I hope they do anyway. But for the people that are serving in ministry, for the people that have a mind of ministry and have a desire uh, to, to, to minister from a John 17 perspective of, of winning and building and sending to win and build and send, here, here's the thing you got to remember. A real hurried life, it will cloud that purpose and you'll completely forget why God put you here anyway. Um, it, it, it'll take your passion and it will it will throw it in the trash and it it will just it will diminish everything that you are it will it will take your passion and it'll just wad it up and it'll be like yeah it's, that's gone why well cuz now you don't have time to do anything else you don't have time to love people you don't have time to be actively engaged in a ministry uh, well, I should be on. I should be engaged in ministry all the time. You should. Yeah, you, that. Where's the best place to do ministry? Everywhere you go, right? Ain't that how God? Ain't that how God wants it? Everywhere you go, the Apostle Paul's like, "Hey, man, everywhere you go, you do ministry." All right, that's a big deal. It's a really, really, really big deal. So what? 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 What are you saying? I'm saying if we don't slow down. You're going to miss your purpose. What's my purpose? This same purpose as mine. I just got a different avenue in which I do it. Win and build and sin. It's go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what it is. It's it's making disciples. It's getting to a place to where I'm growing. I'm following Jesus Christ as a disciple till till I I get to the place. Guess what? I'm gonna I'm gonna help somebody else in their walk. We're we're there walking with Jesus and they're growing as a disciple in Christ. That's what God wants. Here's here's a real hard thing for me to 
process with a lot of people to get people to understand a lot of times uh, everybody in the room you, you've all heard tell of the uh, the sightings of the Loch Ness monster right everybody everybody heard that there you go well, y'all been went kind of crazy for a minute here's what I think I think for a lot of people their life purposes, their life purpose is kind of like the Loch Ness Monster. Because you're always trying to see it when it's already in front of your face. Like it's already there, but, you're, but you can't find it. Why can't you find it? You ready for this? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit on this next. We're going to close right here. You know why you can't find your purpose? Because you're worried about what you can do and not what you are. Man, when I finally got it out of my brain that it ain't about what I do, it's about who I am, everything changed for me. That's actually when I, when I, when I come, when it started processing in my mind uh, that did I got to raise a pastor for this church? Why? Because it ain't about what I do. Me, me as a pastor is not my identity. What's my identity? Remember we started this off with, with identity. What was it? My identity is who? Jesus Christ, right? It's not about what I do. It ain't about what you do. Well, I want to know my purpose in life. Don't worry about it. Don't, quit, quit, trying to, quit trying to do that. Because you're never going to, it's going to be like that Loch Ness Monster sign. I, I, you know, I, I think about all the various giftings within this church. And there's, there's your giftings, your giftings will be used to fulfill the purpose that God already gave you. God already gave us all the purpose. But it's your giftings and your passion. Everybody in this room has got a different shape to them. you got a different gifting set to you that God's gifted you with. And listen, uh, <coughs> it all should play a role and it all should play a part into the big purpose. Every bit of it. It, it should never be, well, I wonder what my purpose is. You should always know what your purpose is. Uh, but, but God gave some of us. I, I remember when I seen old Hillbilly Bumpkin Chandler here come in and he's back there whiz kidding it up in the sound booth and I'm like I mean I, I, mean, I, I you know just looking at him you see him come in and you're like dude he says let me up there a minute he goes back there and starts fidgeting around with stuff I'm like what the what in the world's going on right now like why why does he know this like why does he Oh man, I did. I, I, you know, I, I know a lot about this computer business and done this and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, like it, why, why, did, why didn't you tell me this before now? Number one. And, and then number two, it's just a crazy thing that God uses. God uses people. God uses people 
with what they know in their particular gifting set to be a benefit to the purpose, to the mission that we all have. Does that make sense? You got to be careful diminishing who you are. You got to be careful because I'm my identity is not in as, in me as a pastor. My identity is raising somebody, is raising other people. That's what my identity is. It's raising other people that, Lord willing, they'll do this one day. They'll disciple other people one day. Why is that such a big deal? Because we got to get out of our minds. we got to get it out of our minds that I just do things. Because you just don't do things. You are something. You are a child of God. And you got to rest in the identity that is Christ. And then guess what? We get to do what we get to use all the things that God's give us. We get to we get to use that to the to to, to our fullest extent. Uh, Jordan, she she's a prime example. Like we we were at we uh, she's taught special needs, been in special needs, some kind of special needs deal the whole time I've known her. The whole time me and her's dating. Um, she's always knew she wanted to be a special needs teacher. Well, lo and behold, she's like, she gets a call one day from a lady, big church down, um, big church over in Kennesaw is starting, they have a lot of special needs kids and they're starting a special needs ministry. And so they call her in to teach them what the do's and the don'ts and how to make sure that nobody gets sued in the process on starting a special needs ministry. Well, that's kind of small to some people. But the, la- the lady that God, the lady that God burdened to do that, it was a huge deal for her. It was a huge deal for her. And she's like the most, the most, in, in, in a congregation's eyes, the most minute people need to be attended to. And, and, and she felt like God was leading her in that direction. And, 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 and God used Jordan to be able, well, what, if, if Jordan wasn't a part of what she's been a part of for so long, she wouldn't be able to do that. Like there, I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's not like a, there's not like a whole army of special needs teachers out there they're actually they're actually number one uh like decent and then number two that are they're going to be willing to help another church out it's just they're just few and far between i go through the room we could do that with everybody in here probably if we took the time to do it god wants us to slow down long enough to realize that his mission is the purpose and that our gifting set is what he's given us to accomplish the purpose. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, <coughs> Lord, thank you for, uh, for, for tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the goodness of God. And Lord, I just I want to bless your name for loving us like you do. And God given us a book that has, that has commanded us, Lord, to, to get wisdom and to get understanding. And Lord, well, the only way we're going to do that is to pay the price of slowing down because wisdom can't be microwaved. Um, and God, I, I pray you keep teaching me. I pray, God, you just keep teaching me, keep making it evident what you want me 
what you what the the path that you want me to take uh lord the the things that you're calling me to god i pray that you just keep working and god you just keep uh burdening my own heart uh, for those things lord bless this church and lord facing to go into the summer and uh god we 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 ask you to bless us coming up sunday with alana lord there'll be parents here god i pray that something is said that will spark within them the desire to come to faith in Christ because the Spirit of God has worked on their heart. Lord, use this pulpit, use these kids, use this church for the glory of God. Lord, I pray that we're all excited and thankful and and looking forward to, to seeing uh, what we're going to get to see on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, y'all have a, a good rest.